0: The Baltimore Orioles have had an interesting nine days, which could culminate in them getting swept for the first time all year at the hands of the Houston Astros. They may be ahead of schedule and have a very bright future, but the culture and attitude from the top has stayed the same. Also, is a house cleaning in store with the Yankees if they do not make it to the postseason? Commanders coach Ron Rivera has had some interesting comments toward his offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy that's caused a stir. Plus, some not-so-good off-the-field news that doesn't put a dent into the shield. Just trying to get through these dog days of a sports dead zone that's back to rear its ugly head. It's all coming up, but first, this message. J-Reels here just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, the J-Reels podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast. Whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there. Whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review. I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels podcast begins in five, four, let Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J-Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the j Wills Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, Michael people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic in excellent spirits. Another valley in the season of a slow sports period, but that'll never stop yours truly from delivering what is going on throughout the entire landscape as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, Jay Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard. And for those who've been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle or even, as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. And yes, here we are on the 10th of August as we try to get through this month. I understand we're not trying to rush time. We're not trying to wish it away. I'm certainly, as you well know, football season will be here before you know it, four weeks from tonight. So for me to think that as much as I want to have a podcast that's percolating with so many different topics, so many different sports, and all that, I could certainly be a little bit more patient to know that a day like today may not be a lot to chew on, may not be a lot to really dissect or delve into, but nevertheless, I am not going to be stopped. In the immortal words of Mason P. Diddy, can't stop, won't stop, especially when it comes to sports because there's always something that's cooking on the stove. And what I got for you here may not be much, May not be one that will go down in the annals of one of the better podcasts that I have, but you know I'm going to entertain and inform and I have some interesting angles on a couple of things, especially with baseball, and that's where I'm going to begin. The first one being the Baltimore Orioles, and we know the type of season that they've had to date. In fact, they got off to a very good start. We know the Rays got off to that tremendous start, 13-0, all those home games that they won, and the Rays have certainly have fallen on some hard times to the point where they're still within striking distance of the Orioles for first place in the AL East, as well as the American League overall, because even with the Rangers and Astros out West, but we would think that when it's all said and done, whomever's going to come out of the American League East is going to have the one seed and obviously a bye when the American League playoffs begin sometime in the early part of October. And for the... Orioles who really turned on the Jets, I would say somewhere around the early part of June into July through the All-Star break. And now here we are as we get to the middle of August as a team that is young, a team that is hungry, a team that may have arrived a year early. Because when we look at this Oriole team dating back to last year, right before the All-Star break, they were somewhere in the vicinity of about eight or nine games on the 500. And then for whatever the reason, they took off, they competed. They were actually in the thick of the AL wildcard race up until about the last week of the regular season. And I'm sure all the expectations and they were probably a sexy pick amongst a lot of people this year, knowing that they had a very good second half and that they had a lot of good young studs littered throughout the field other than starting pitching. But now here they are, In an AL that is highly competitive, we know about the Astros and what they've done here, and I'm going to get to them because, ironic as it may be, the Astros have been in Baltimore the last two days, and they've really taken the young team to the back of the woodshed. But with this young, talented, and inexperienced team, and let's just take a look back at just the past nine days, because this organization, who has gone through a rough stretch, to say the least, up until... We'll say the middle of June last year, considering once Buck Walter was let go and Manny Machado was traded from Baltimore to LA there in 2018, and they bottomed out having bad teams where in the middle part of the 20-teens, even the early part, they made it to the postseason a few times, a first round against the Yankees, which went five games in 2012, a decent run in 2014 where they beat the Tigers, but then they ended up losing to the Kansas City Royals, there in the, I believe it was the championship series, but for that time period from 2015 to last year, it was ground zero, and maybe even below that, and for the Oriole team to get these number one picks the way they have over the last few years, whether your name is Adley Rutschman, and I get it that Gunnar Henderson was the second round first pick in that 20, what is it, 21 draft, And they have all these pieces that have been coming through the pipeline. They had another number one pick where we'll probably see somewhere in the next couple of years with a one Jackson holiday. So everything that the organization has built up to this point and even going through that tough period there in the late 20 teens and the early part of this decade now is when they're about to shine. They're about to take off. And when I look at these last nine days, we could go back to the trade deadline, August 1st. And this is something I discussed on the podcast right after the All-Star game that Thursday, what was about three weeks ago, where certain teams were going to see if they could put themselves in a position to really make a long, deep postseason run. And I understand I put teams like the Reds, Marlins, Diamondbacks, who are hanging around but obviously did not make that impact trade. And yes, even though the Marlins tried with someone like Josh Bell, but we all know at the end of the day, those aforementioned teams, chances are they may not even make it to the postseason, let alone get in the postseason and win a round or two. Whereas the Orioles with the best record in the American League as of right this moment, and with everything that I mentioned about them, having the lineup, having the bullpen, the starting pitching a little dicey, even with a guy like Jack Flaherty, who they brought in from St. Louis, who didn't pitch well yesterday in a game against the Astros. And of course, I'm going to get to that series and them in a second. But these nine days that culminate today in a game where they could actually get swept for the first time all year. But dating back to that trade deadline, I thought that if they were going to really be a force, a team to be reckoned with, and that's not to say that they can't or won't as a right this moment. But I felt as if they needed to get that stud pitcher. And at first I mentioned a guy like Max Scherzer. And who knows, maybe even Justin Verlander as we found out later when he was traded back to Houston. And that's one of the things that you have to wonder going back to the front office. Maybe not so the GM, Mike Elias, who has done a phenomenal job. But it all goes back to the Angelos. Peter for so many years and now John Angelos, his son who has taken over the team. And it's interesting because I'm going to talk about the Yankees a little bit later on and the contrast between George and Hal, how it's night and day. Well, for whatever the reason in Baltimore, between Peter and John, it's the same deal. You have to wonder whether or not that this team, although they're on the come up and their window is just about to be open as far as making runs into the postseason and dare I even say winning World Series down the road, But you have to wonder whether or not they were either, A, I won't go as far as saying afraid, but were they hesitant to make a deal considering they didn't want to give up any of their prize prospects in order for them to try to push all those chips to the middle of the table to say, "Uh uh-uh, let's go for it. We haven't won a World Series in 40 years. You got to go back to 1983, Kyle Ripken's second year when they beat the Philadelphia Phillies in five games the last time they raised any type of World Series banner to the top of the flagpole there down in Baltimore. And for them to not make a push, and I get it, Flaherty is complimentary. But if you went for a guy like Max Scherzer or even Justin Verlander, that would tell the rest of baseball, the Orioles mean business. And not just for this year, but for years to come. And what you saw there was a sense of disappointment, Now, of course, you can't just bank everything on them not going after that big fish, but it could certainly play in the back of your mind, hmm, granted that the window is just about to open, but they could really put their fingerprints not only just in the American League, but throughout baseball to say, not only are the Orioles back, but the Orioles are going for it now where maybe they're a year or two early from even getting to that point. And then you had... Throughout that week into the weekend where they swept the Mets, no big deal. But then early this week, you had the issue with the play by play announcer, Kevin Brown, where he made a comment during a pregame show about the Tampa Bay Rays really having the Orioles' number. And then finally, the Orioles were able to turn the tables on them this year, which they have. And for whatever the reason, the Angels said, uh uh-uh, uh, we're going to put him on ice to suspend him here indefinitely, where he's actually going to come back tomorrow because the firestorm and backlash of all this was incredulous throughout the sport. And I didn't make a mention of this on Monday because I believe it was just released over the weekend. So now that I've gotten a full grasp of this story, when you think about the Angelos again, having that mindset, having that culture, having the just narrow-minded focus to think that what Brown said wasn't anything that was Against the organization. It was just a fact. It wasn't as if he said. Oh we've just been punching bags to the Rays for all these years. Or oh finally we're able to get back at the Rays. Considering that they just pummeled us into submission. He didn't say anything like that. Where it could really be an eyebrow raiser. Or cause a ruckus amongst the front office. Amongst even the team for that matter. Where they would say. Whoa that was a little bit too strong. None of that. So, for the Angelos to just say, we're going to pull them off of the broadcast here, based on an innocuous comment and something that was actually pre screened or done ahead of time for the production of this pregame show, to where this wasn't a commentary. This wasn't Kevin Brown's thoughts about how the Rays have just beaten down the Orioles over the last couple of years. This was something that was done during production where it was broadcast, that it was a fair and accurate statement. And for the Angelos to go overboard, to think that this was something that was damning toward the team, toward the players, the manager, etc., was absolutely absurd. And for Angelos to do that, and that went throughout, even the Met broadcast, and I understand they just finished playing the Orioles over the weekend, but Gary Cohen blasted the Angelos for that decision, as well as Michael Kay, as well as a bunch of other people, and rightfully so. And then you have the Astros coming in, where, dare I say, could be a preview of an ALCS. And the Astros, as we all know, we could talk back to 2017, and I'm not going to go down that road, but this has been an organization that has been success exemplified over the last six, seven years going to six ALCSs, four World Series, and winning two of them. And for the Astros to come to town and to play the young upstart Oriole team, when we look back to Tuesday night as they had a 6-2 lead going into the top of the eighth, they gave up a run there, and then Felix Bautista, who a lot of people think could be the second coming of Armando Benitez, the former Oriole closer and Met closer as well, and what does he do? He gives up a grand slam in the top of the ninth to Kyle Tucker to where the Astros come back from the dead to win 7-6. to six. And then yesterday with the aforementioned Jack Flaherty starting, gets smacked around the ballpark to where the Astros win 8-2. to two, And then now today brings an opportunity for the Orioles to get swept for the first time all year. And here we are at the 10th of August. And I'm sure they're going to do whatever it takes to try to not go down that road to maybe not only just get swept, but maybe get the sense of a losing streak, which could be on the horizon. And then the Orioles after today, they got to fly out West to play Seattle and the Mariners are starting to make a little push here to see what they could do as far as the AL wild card goes. But if you're the Orioles and their fans, and I'm sure you've seen this movie plenty of times. With this organization, in particular, the ownership. Now, granted, if they lose today and they get swept, is it going to be time to push the panic button? Absolutely not. Is it going to be time to have those visions dancing in your head to say, "Uh uh-oh, because of what happened earlier this week and we're playing the defending champs and if they come into our ballpark and sweep us out. And remember, just a few weeks ago, the Dodgers went into Camden Yards and won the first two games before winning the third game. So you could also look at how Baltimore has won the game that they actually have to win as far as avoiding getting swept or avoiding even any type of long losing streak. Because when you think about it, you don't have to go into a four-game losing streak knowing that you haven't been swept. Whether you lose the back two of the previous series and then the first two of the next series, I don't have the numbers in front of me as to how the Orioles have fared here as far as any lengthy losing streaks. But as we know, it does bode well for them, knowing that they haven't been swept, having the Astros see if they could do that today. But let me take a look to see who's going to be on the mound today. You have Dean Kramer going up against Hunter Brown, a young, good pitcher there for the Astros. So, who knows? But over these last nine days, just to see the ugliness of the ownership, and for... That to be a reminder, not only to the Oriole fan and to the people in Maryland, but also to the baseball fan out there, that yes, the future does look bright, but you got to remember who's at the top. And it would be just a travesty in a good town like Baltimore that has a rich baseball history. Dating back to the days of Earl Weaver, Jim Palmer in the 60s, even into the 80s with Cal Ripken and them winning that last World Series, as I mentioned, 40 years ago to the year. And now they have an opportunity to do some special things this year. And let's see what ownership's going to do, not necessarily for the rest of this year, if they're going to continue this behavior when it comes to treating their broadcasters like this, but the team is intact the way it is now. Let's see how they ride this out. But the offseason's going to be big, future offseasons as well, And how this team is going to continue to be built. Because as we know on a year by year basis. It's going to change dramatically. You're not going to have the same faces. This year on the team next year. But the Oriole future. I know certainly a lot better than my Met future as a fan. But the ownership. And that is the last line of defense. You can have a bad GM. You can have a bad manager. But you can fire them. You can't fire the owners. Just something to be said and something to think about when it comes to this Oriole team when we look at the next five years, per se, and granted that we're pretty much in year one here of this rebirth there, a renaissance in Baltimore, but hopefully the ownership, especially now with the son, John, taking the helm and seeing where the direction of the franchise is going to go, hopefully he doesn't drive it off a cliff. And that the baseball people that are already set in stone there, the Mike Elizas of the world, can be that ear or that calming influence to say, hey, I feel that we should do this. And that Angelos will have the wherewithal to have his ears and antenna raised very high. Because if he doesn't, who knows where this franchise could be over the course of the next half decade. And now I want to get to the Yankees because a report had surfaced yesterday to where And who knows how accurate this is, but for Hal Steinbrenner to state that Brian Cashman, the GM of the team, and has been the GM for, think about this, a quarter of a century, is likely to be back in 2024, whereas the manager, Aaron Boone, is questionable at this point. And just like I talked about with the Angelos, how the culture seems to have stayed the same, where the father, Peter Angelos, and now the son... How they seem to be running the same ship. Well, that is a complete polar opposite to what's happened here, as we've seen in the Bronx between George Steinbrenner and son Hal Steinbrenner. Because to a fault, and God bless him for his loyalty, but it looks like even if Cashman does stay, and I'm sure a lot of the Yankee fans that I know in my circle want him out as well as the manager. They may have to deal with this for another couple of years. Now, Boone, I talked about this on my YouTube channel. He's got to stop it with these ejections and him just being a fool and even admitted afterwards that was embarrassing when he got tossed in the game the other night in Chicago where he mocked Laz Diaz, who was an awful umpire, of the strike zone, calling balls and strikes. Even the way he pulls the cord on a called third strike him getting to the ground where he's marking where the pitch is being thrown, Aaron Boone's got to stop. And I've talked about this before and I'll say it one last time and I get it. He's sticking up for his players and he's a guy that's always done that. But to me, he's more of a caretaker and a father figure slash babysitter than a guy that's going to hold his team accountable to either run out balls, whether your name is Giancarlo Stanton, who was tagged out by 50 feet the other day in that game against the Astros, and I love Giancarlo, and I guess maybe he's laboring a leg issue, and didn't he have a hamstring issue early on this year, but for whatever the reason, Boone is not a guy that's going to put his players on the carpet to talk about their effort, or lack thereof, another guy that comes to mind is Gleyber Torres, he's just going to let all this slide, and even to the point where, in a performance over the weekend, against the Astros, where they struck out, what, 18 times in a series, I believe it was actually the previous series before that against Tampa, where he wants to highlight the at-bats throughout the strikeouts in that one game, it wasn't even in a series, I believe it was one game, where the team struck out 18 times, and he said, well, I saw some positives there, I'm not going to enhance the negatives. Well, if your team is going to strike out 18 of the 27 outs throughout the course of a game, and you're going to be asked the question, your lineup and how they performed that night, and all you want to say is they had some good at bats. Aaron, maybe it's time to go, or maybe it's time for Cashman to say, I'm gonna have to put the pink slip in his mailbox to say, Aaron, thanks for the last six years, but the time has come. And I don't know if that's more of a thing on Cashman or even with Hal wanting to keep Aaron Boone because he's a guy that is going to stick up for his players, which is fantastic, but again. He's not going to be a guy that's going to go into the locker room to pull the guy aside to say, hey, I'm taking you out of the lineup today. Or you know what? I didn't like your effort today, so you're riding the pine for the next two days. Or to show some fire in a press conference to say, yes, I didn't like the way so-and-so pitched today. I didn't like the way the at-bats were for this player. You see none of that. And how I look at it, I think they should both be gone. And that's not an indictment as far as them personally. But for A. Boone, he's a puppet. We all know it. Obviously, the strings are being pulled by Cashman and a lot of the people there in the front office as far as the analytics and the sabermetrics are concerned. But Cashman's another guy. Been there too long. Maybe it's time to bring in another voice. Bring in another guy who's going to shake things up. Who's going to hold people accountable. And not just toe the company line to say, all right. Well, we made it to the postseason. I would think we had a successful year based on all the injuries that we've had to endure. And even though we made it into the wild card round and we gave it all we had, and that's the Yankee mentality here over the last five six years. Whereas we know, a couple of decades ago, if this was George Steinbrenner, he wouldn't even have any of this nonsense. He probably would have fired his own kids to not even run the team if that was the case. And I understand different generation, different thought process. The Yankees is about them printing money and them selling out their ballpark and the concessions and having guys come back to throw out first pitches whether your name is Andy Pettit, Derek Jeter, etc. I get that. But there does come a time where you have to look in the mirror to say, what are we doing here? The standard is winning championships, getting to World Series, not just Cutting corners here. And it's not to say the Yankees cut corners because their payroll obviously is exorbitant. But they have to reassess all that's going on here and look at the big picture to say, we haven't been to a World Series in now 14 years. And we haven't sniffed getting to a World Series in that same time frame. We need to shake things up. We need to open up the windows and get the fresh air in and get the bad air out. But for whatever the reason... Hal Steinbrenner is not even getting to the window to even raise it to get some cool air in. Or even fresh air for that matter. So this is a story that we'll continue to monitor. Who knows what's going to happen here. As I said, I'd rather have both of them gone. And I'm not saying that because I'm anti-Yankee. Trust me. If it was a Mets scenario, same deal. Both of these guys need to go. It's time for some new faces, new blood, etc. Because this team, even with all the injuries, Judge out for almost two months, Rodon, who was out for the first three and a half months, staying out for a considerable amount of time, Nestor Cortez, I get it, they've had a ton of injuries. But the team should not be three games over five hundred here in the middle of August. That's all there is to it. Now to get a quick overview of what's gone on in the sport as far as the latest and greatest with the wildcard races, divisions, etc., I mentioned that the Orioles are going to Seattle, and right now the Mariners are as hot as can be, and they're finally playing the baseball that a lot of people thought they would all year long. They're in the midst of a seven-game winning streak, they're now 10 games over 500 and they actually have an outside shot to maybe even talk about a division. Now they're five and a half back, five and a loss, and they still have to leapfrog over the Astros in the process, where the Texas Rangers are at the top. But that is a fascinating series this coming weekend, Pacific Northwest, between the Orioles and Mariners, to see where those two teams stack up right now, and give it up for what Seattle has done here. They've been able to stem the tide, they've been trying to get out of their own way for quite some time, when it seems like they're able to take a leap, they take two steps back, and they've been playing that way for the first three and a half months. Similar to the Mets and Padres, and obviously the Mets are already out to sea where the Padres, they've been floundering after that bad series against the Dodgers, losing three out of four. And what happens? They go to Seattle and they put it on them. Where Julio Rodriguez is robbing home runs from Fernando Tatis and doing it as cool as a cucumber. So the Mariners are a team to watch here to see whether or not they're going to be a threat. Of course, we know they're going to be in the wild card mix, but maybe even for division, still plenty of time. And I don't have the schedule in front of me as to how many games left they have with the Rangers and Astros. And again, with the balanced schedule, who knows? They may not even face the Astros again. And from what I recall, what was it? Right before the All-Star break or even right after, they won three out of four in Houston. So who knows if there are any games left with those teams. But that's certainly one thing that I will keep in mind here as we get through this stretch. So that's one team that's played very well here. And also the Phillies, give it up for what they've done the Phillies, they put themselves in a good position. Now, we understand that the NL wild Card is a, just a slugfest right now. And for the Phillies, after last night, Michael Lorenzen throwing a no-hitter in his second start as a Philly. Remember, he was brought in at the deadline from the Tigers and he's already paid dividends to the point where the Phillies are currently number one in the Wild Card race with that fourth seed ahead of the Giants by one game. And then the Marlins, who beat the Reds two out of three, especially the back two of that three-game set, have now put themselves a half game ahead of the Cubs, who lost two out of three to the Mets in the early part of this week. So the Marlins, who host the Yankees this weekend, so that should be pretty interesting to see how they come back from this trip. And we know the Marlins have not played well here, and now they come back home to see if they could, I'm not going to say feast on the Yankees, but... That's going to be an interesting series as we head into the weekend to see whether the Marlins could continue their winning ways against the Yankees. But the Phillies have played well. As I mentioned, the Mariners, who are still on the outside looking in when it comes to the wild card, as they're one game in the loss, but two games overall behind the Blue Jays, Astros, and Rays. We know the Rays currently at the top spot there in the wild card, two and a half, two in the loss over the Astros, and then the Astros have a... Two game in the loss, but a game and a half lead over the Blue Jays, and now the wild card. There's been some separation there with the Red Sox and Yankees now trailing five and five and a half games back. Both five in the loss, really four in the loss for the Red Sox, five in the loss for the Yankees. So it's really starting to slip here for both teams at the bottom of the AL East, and then you have in the NL with the Reds and Cubs just a half game back. And I'll take a look at the weekend as far as the schedule is in a moment, but you have the Diamondbacks who are really in a tailspin and reeling big time as they're losers of eight in a row, although two and a half back, but now they are game under 500. And let's face it, the Padres aren't going to click here. They're now five under, although four and a half and four in the loss. And again, not as if the Cubs, Reds, Diamondbacks are world beaters to say the least but you have to wonder whether or not the Padres are just stuck in neutral and the tires are just spinning in the mud and they're not going to go anywhere this year based on how they performed. So it looks like it could be a, I get it, five-team race if the Phillies continue their torrid stretch and even the Giants for that matter. But you're looking at Miami, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Arizona as those four teams looking for that one spot at the bottom of the wild card. And the divisions are pretty much I'm going to say status quo, I know we could talk about the AL West, as I mentioned there before, that could be a battle, the Rays just three in the loss, but two games behind the Orioles, and they're not going to have Shane McClanahan for the rest of this year, as it's likely that he could go under the knife for Tommy John surgery, with that left forearm tightness, that's always dreaded news, that was what happened to Max Freed early on this year, where he had the same issue, but it was just rest. And now Freed is back in the lineup, and it looks like he's going to pitch the Braves to a division title, which obviously is a foregone conclusion, as they have a 10.5 game lead over the Phillies in the NL East. But the Twins, as we talked about there a few days ago, still have that four game lead in the loss, four and a half over the Guardians. The NL Central still has the Brewers with a two and a half game lead, two in the loss over the Cubs, and three in the loss column over the Reds. So they're in decent stead there. And then the Dodgers are going to start to pull away with a seven game in the loss over the Giants, but six overall as far as the division. And that's what you have with baseball. As far as the schedule this weekend, we talked about Baltimore and Seattle being a series that a lot of people are going to look out for this weekend. You could talk about Yankees-Marlins. I understand that doesn't sound sexy. That's actually, when you think about it, they're going to have a... 20-year reunion of the Marlin team that beat the Yankees there in six, going back to the 2003 World Series. So that's something to highlight there if you're a baseball fan, and especially the 6,000 Marlin fans, and that's a lot when you think about it. As the Yankees will invade South Florida, and I'm sure that's going to be 75-25, Yankee fans to Marlin fans. The Twins go to Philadelphia. Eh, not sexy, but that's a series with a team that's leading in the AL Central against the Phillies who have played well. Chicago going to Toronto. That's the Cubs to see if they can continue to stay afloat there in the wild card. The Reds playing in Pittsburgh. The Braves come to play the Mets this weekend. Four games as they have a doubleheader on Saturday. The Angels, if you want to call whatever's left there for a wild card, and I didn't even mention them as they're seven back in Houston. The... Diamondbacks are playing the Padres, that's not a great series, and then you have the Rangers going to San Francisco to play the Giants by the Bay. So some interesting series to look at, we'll recap it all on Monday to see where we stand, but baseball front and center here as we get through these dog days of August. And now as I turn my attention to the NFL, just with some news and notes for the most part, I haven't watched the Hard Knocks, I know the first episode was Tuesday night, maybe I'll watch it. Again, I'm so detached from football right now, I just can't get geared up for it. And based on what I heard is that it was a love fest and you can understand that a thousand percent between Rodgers, the media, the fans, the team, the honeymoon phase is in full bloom in Florham Park and with the Jets, the teammates, fan base, front office, coaching staff, etc. And I'm sure... If you're a Jet fan, you're riding high, and if you're on the outside looking in, I'm sure you're probably sick to your stomach. I haven't watched it. It's just based on what I have heard, but I'll see if I can take a look at that over the weekend and give it a bit of a review come Monday. But you had a couple of news and notes off the field, which for the Shield, it's just a couple of dings in their armor, sadly. Ron Rivera, I know, had some comments earlier this week towards the offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy where you had some commander players concerned about Biennemi's intensity, and then for Bienemy to come out to say, I'm always going to be loud, always going to be vocal, always going to demand from my leaders, etc. But for whatever the reason, Rivera is going to honor what Bienemy is bringing to the team as far as his intensity, as far as him being a guy that's going to, let's put it bluntly, get in these players' asses. And even though Rivera did say afterwards that he put his foot in his mouth, but pretty much just saying, and I'm paraphrasing of course, that even though a number of guys, his players have come up to him to say, hey, just go talk to him and see if he could just ease up on us a little bit. But by coming across saying, hey, you got to understand what he's trying to get across to you. And even though it's been a lightning to some of these guys, but a lot of them just don't get it or whatever. So in other words, him not being that player's coach, has put some fire on the Rivera, who is coming into a very big year. Mind you, new ownership. So this is pretty much going to be a do or die year for him on whether or not he's going to make it past this year amongst the eyes of Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, etc., who are the now new leaders of this franchise. So Rivera, who maybe should have been a little bit more understanding, tortoise players, and maybe go to bien enemy to say, listen, we don't want you to change your style, but maybe pick your spots, whatever it is. But I guess him coming across more like bien enemy tortoise players, maybe not in the realm of shouting and just being a guy that was just not going to take no for an answer. But you got to understand, this is a marriage between a guy, bien Enemy, who has been a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator albeit under Andy Andy Reid and a guy that's trying to make his mark outside of the shadow of the Kansas City Chief Coach to really put the pressure on this offense under a young quarterback Sam Howell who has a lot to prove and the organization on a whole that has a very good defense and has some offensive parts that could be very well but we all understand that it's all based on what the quarterback does of course enemy is not going to change or alter his style for anyone. And Rivera, I get it that he's going to have to try to fan the flames here a little bit. But at the same time, the players, they can turn his back on him at the drop of a dime. So I get it. It's a little tricky to try to navigate that. But that's what happens when you're a coach of a team. You got to handle these personalities. You got to handle the egos. You got to handle even the coaching staff. And it's not going to be a situation where as much as he wants to think all or nothing, but there has to be a little bit of an in-between time. Or at least the reasoning to know that you have the players back, although the coaches are going to have to get on top of these players at times. Maybe not all the time, but some of the times to get their point across. Then you had... Henry Ruggs, I'm only bringing this up because the sentence came down 3 to 10 years, not to rehash that whole thing, but just sad to have a player drive his car 150 miles down a boulevard in Las Vegas to where, as we know, killed a woman and dog, you could say, what were they doing up at 3.45 in the morning, but then why is Ruggs driving his car with his girlfriend in the front seat, just irresponsible to say the least, but three to 10 years. I don't know if that's enough time. I don't know the laws in Nevada. Could it have been more? Is it going to be more on the high end? Closer to 10 than it is to three? I don't know, but it's just sad. That is certainly maybe not even enough justice. Who am I to say? I am certainly not judge, jury, executioner when it comes to this, but just a terrible story there. And then you also have Alvin Kamara, which I failed to mention there on Monday. He and also Colts, cornerback Chris Lamon suspended three games in regards to a fight that took place in Vegas last year where the league you would think whether it's conduct detrimental not necessarily to the team but based on his behavior off the field and getting into this scuffle where he's gonna have to sit the first three games and even Kamara did come out to say I gotta hold myself accountable and more responsible when it comes to my actions etc so you're not gonna see the former all-pro running back there at the start of those first three games. And that's just the shield. And I get it, there's 53 players to a roster, not 20 on an NHL team, 26 on a Major League Baseball team, or even 15 for an NBA team. So there's going to be a lot more of a higher profile when it comes to these players because there are a lot more teams and the NFL does shine bright amongst all the major sports here in this country. But it just goes to show you that even with Henry Ruggs, Alvin Kamara, and so many players before him, that the NFL is impenetrable. It doesn't matter who it may be. The league just continues to churn out money, attention, publicity, gambling, fantasy. The sport just rules above anything else. And it shows by the behavior of the players and how the sentences or suspensions get handed down, it's almost as if dirt off the shoulder. And as we've seen time after time, the shield moves on. What more can they do about it? Who knows? They do their best, but the beat goes on, business as usual. And I'm sure everybody's just anticipating the season opener four weeks from tonight when the Lions visit Kansas City to kick off this 2023 NFL season. That'll do it, my good people. I'm not going to get into Josh Hart signing a four-year deal $81 million with the Knicks. Is that going to move the needle here on the podcast? Maybe here in New York with the Knicks fan, but it's not as if Damian Lillard is coming here. That would be something to certainly have my sleeves rolled up and for me to get my tentacles all over, but that is not going to be the case. So that will conclude another podcast because college football is low key. NHL, the same, nothing going on. I believe in boxing, MMA, the US Open, and tennis is a couple weeks away. So that's all I have, people. Thank you so much for passing by. Thank you so much for carving out some time out of your precious day to listen to what it is I have to say about what's happening in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate review, throw me a few stars, write a review. I greatly appreciate it. And please follow any of my socials, especially YouTube, at J Reels, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the J Reels podcast, Twitter, JReels one, just a number, or if you want to hit me up via DM or even email the old fashioned way, you could do so. By going to the JReels podcast at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, or suggestions, please hit me up. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals, because whether you do or do not know, this is what I love to talk about, people. It's in the blood, it's in the DNA, as I like to say, sports since birth. Whether it's sharing my opinions, analysis, thoughts, feelings, critiques, praise with nothing but passion, fire, fury, and energy on anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, directed, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the Southeast, to South Center, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby.